All right, hello everyone, and welcome to this week's Invisible Not Broken. This is part two of Elliot's interview. There was so much to cover between um, discussing non-binary and um, and trans, and this ended up being such a wonderful week to discuss these things and uh, mental health issues as well. We go into a little bit more into Elliot's start with chronic illness, which um, the Lyme, uh, Lyme disease was pretty intense and led into fibromyalgia, migraines, um, I'm going to stop talking because this is such an important interview. Please, please listen. Please share this with anyone who might have questions about Lyme, uh, fibromyalgia, migraines, medication, and anyone who's trying to wrap their brain around um, the national discussion of non-binary and trans. I think, Elliot, it explains things in such a wonderful and beautiful way. So, so grateful to have met Elliot. Um, I hope you are all uh, enjoying Elliot as well. Please listen to the second part. If you did not listen to the first part, you could still probably get a lot out of this one, but why don't you head on back and listen to the first part. Have a great week, everyone. I was just saying um, that uh, it's basically just that, it, like, since Shakespearean times, people have been using um, they as, like, a single pronoun. Um, it's basically just, like, if like, a ma- you, like someone told you the male person dropped off a package and you'd be like, oh, they did? Like... <laughs> That's but yeah. <laughs> you got to go back to Shakespeare for almost everything. Amazing, amazing. I, I'm a literature I major you. from long ago, and the stuff that I, if you just want to talk gender for a minute and um, oh. gay and bisexuality, I mean the just rereading Romeo with a different headset. Matricio is so much more interesting. I just yeah. loved Romeo and Juliet after I read it again. I'm like. I think they were in love. That makes so much more sense now for the level of jealousy that was going. Nah, I think I, uh, yeah. <laughs> College was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in a few Shakespeare shows. They were quite a hoot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the things you can do with costume design. Okay, so I, I'm sorry. I'm, Kiros will absolutely be laughing his ass off right now going, she does it to everyone. She cannot stay on topic. <laughs> It's okay, me too. (laughs) We'll we'll be fine. (laughs) So for the eating issues, you were talking about something that I really feel like anyone who's grown up in a body that is suddenly changing in ways you did not fucking sign up for (laughs) and um, that suddenly uh, makes your body public will understand, which is all of a sudden hips and uh, for for my, let's see if I get this right. If I get from my cis perspective, uh, and I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to get the words right. Um, of being born female and then going from a body that looked like everyone else's in my school and class to suddenly something that announced me as being sexual in a way that at like 11 or 12, I was certainly not prepared to be considered sexual, especially by grown men. Um, that that was incredibly traumatic from that perspective, but it was still gendered that I, I felt like I identified with. And I'm just trying to wrap my brain around if you were dealing with those consequences and those issues, and that's not something you signed, you you feel like you identify to. uh, Can you help me wrap my brain around that? (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I guess it's almost like in a way easier because I did not realize um, until after I had already like gone through first puberty um, uh, that 
like I was not a cis woman, like girl. Like I, I, there was like some like inconsistencies that I can like, you know, later look back and be like, Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> hindsight is, is so great. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but there was never like, um, th- during that time there wasn't like when I was going through puberty, I wasn't like experiencing necessarily like a lot of like gender dysphoria with that though. I was definitely feeling like body issues with like gaining weight in different areas and like that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, I think that I, so I've been on, uh, testosterone for like three or so years. Um, and, uh, I did use testosterone because I'll, I'll, I mean, like partial, like for many reasons, but like a lot of the reason is that like, I wanted to like essentially get like as close to like where I feel most comfortable existing in terms of like physicality and, um, like gender things. And so for a very, very long time in my life, I was always called she and her and all of that. And so I rebounded the exact opposite kind of, and I was like, never call me that. And if you have to call me he, and now I'm kind of like, I don't really love either. So I'd rather just stick with they. Um, but there was definitely a time in which like, like having like the hips visible, like automatically means someone's like, Oh, you're a woman. Hi. Um, and so and that everything that goes along feet. with that, everything that goes right. along with being right. like, you're all female. Of, right. All of the social attitudes and all of the ways that people treat you. And it's so very funny how different, um, well, it's funny in like the way that, you know, but, um, it's, <laughs> no, I gotcha. the, way that, the way that, um, guys react to you if they think that you are like a fellow cis dude. Um, oh, do tell, like, please, please give me an, an inside eye on that. <laughs> uh, it's kind of just like a really funny, like, uh, type of, I guess, like, Hey, what's up? Like, like more, like, like <laughs> it's like a, Hey dude. Or like a, they, they, like, I don't know, like the different handshakes or something that they do. Like <laughs> the secret society of guidum. <laughs> yeah. Like you like slap each other's hands and pull them back weird. I don't it's, So it's like, um, <laughs> there's, it's a lot of that kind of thing. Um, and actually I worked at a grocery store for a little while where, um, I wasn't necessarily like, unopen about trans things, but like, it's not really like an easy thing to just like talk about with like coworkers slash, like, I don't really want a lot of my like cis dude coworkers who are kind of like broy douchey to like <laughs> pass judgments or be able to like, whatever. So I was kind of just like, whatever. So I'm just going to let people think what they think. And, um, one of my coworkers thought that I was a cis guy. And one time he asked, I can't believe I'm telling the story. One time he <laughs> asked me, um, one time he asked me, uh, do you go over or like through the hole? And I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean over? And I was like, what? I just kind of like looked at him and he was like, you know, like when you're peeing with your boxers, do you go through the hole or over the top of the boxers? And like, he was doing a poll of like coworkers. Cause like, that's what cis dudes do. They just like talk about like peeing and that kind of shit. Like in the back, like at work, like just that's just common conversation. It was like working and with women sixth talk about too much important personal stuff. What? It was like working with sixth graders. Like it was like, I, I like, I was like, Oh, now I know what it would have been like to be in a sixth grade boys locker room. I don't want that. So <laughs> glad See, I did not like, 
You have actually sparked so many conversations in my world because I've been talking about like our emails to everyone because I'm so intrigued and I kept thinking, well, what is gender? Like, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like a girly girl. Like I barely brush my hair. I, my daughter is appalled that I would actually like talk to you on a camera without like having makeup on. I wear jeans and um, Doc Martens or Birkenstocks. So I was like, well, what, what, how do you de- identify a gender? And I was thinking, well, if I actually ended up with a penis, what would I feel like? And I was like, okay, I think I might have an idea of like, the disassociation, but like just the idea of like being in a boys locker room at sixth grade. I think I really understand right now, like how much I would not identify there. <laughs> so I think the best way um, that I've seen that like it's uh, for like, I guess for cis people to get how like it feels for trans people in like terms of gender, at least in binary types of gender things. Um, it'd be like, like, you know, that you're a woman, but throughout life you keep like telling people that you're a woman and they're like, you're a guy. And like, they are like, you're not a woman. You're a guy. Like you have to Whoa. go to the boys locker room, but like you're a predator for trying to get into the girls locker room, like all that kind of stuff. And like, that would be like, so like, like that would be like the disconnect for you. Like right now, like, wow. you, does that kind of, like, yes, you just broke that down. Thank you. I've been like, cause we've been talking for like two or three weeks now and I've been like, everyone. I'm like, so talk to me. What, what do you think? What do you know about? Like, what's your experiences? And no one could like explain to me what that'd be like. And thank you. <laughs> yeah. Much more yeah. understanding. Like, I, I think I get it more. That's, yeah. And then you're good at this. Look at you. I mean, you are so set to me with social work. Is that what you're going into? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We need so many more of you in that field. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but also in terms of like gender, um, like presentation and is different from like gender. Like there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of trans women who aren't girly girls who love wearing jeans and Doc Martens and like, don't give a shit about brushing their hair. Like it's really like, and and also like, there's of course non-binary people. So then the whole, like, like the dichotomy of like, there's only two like types of behaviors and like, it's one or the other kind of just like explodes when that when you're like yeah non-binary people exist and also intersex people so okay, both wait, of wait, those wait, wait. intersex are, help me <laughs> yeah yeah so um so the binary of like the sex categorizations male and female um are not like that's not the only two sexes that exist basically and um there's so like there's intersex people um and so that just means that when you are born, it can mean a lot of things, but one of the things it can mean is when you are born, the doctor like wasn't necessarily clear on like what to assign you based on, um, whether like your genitals or secondary sex characteristics, um, and all of that. And so, um, there's actually a lot of people, uh, who don't know that they're intersex because it's like issues with, um, I don't know if it's like a lot, but there are people who don't know or who wouldn't be aware because, um, the chromosomes, like you don't know if you have XXY or XY, like there's no way to know other than your assumptions that someone who has XY would then have like testosterone that works. And there's like androgen sensitivity syndrome. And there's a lot of, there's so many different ways to be intersex. And I have only like touched the surface of like understanding them myself. Um, but uh, basically it just means that like male and female is not like the only two sexes and, um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I, I just read a book called middle sex by Jeffrey. Ah, I'll, I'll put it in, but it actually explores, um, through a genetic 
component of a, a child born female who actually completely genders over to male or sex over to male, like the body characteristics change completely. It was a very interesting book. I'd be curious what your take would be on it if you ever read it. Yeah. I mean, I actually took a class in uh, college where we read about um, intersex people and a lot of different things, but unfortunately a lot of the literature is a lot of doctors being like, ah, yes, I can now use this intersex person as like the perfect like experiment. Like there was a, there's a lot of intersex children who have surgeries done on them without their permission and without their like choice. Um, and that results in a lot of issues later, just like having like surgeries that doctors just decide to like do whatever like they want basically to try to get you to whichever one they could think is closer, whichever of the binary sexes they think you will match easiest. And it's, um, pro- it's proven time and time again that that's always a horrible idea and it never helps intersex people. But, um, no, and sometimes there's, I was reading, uh, about this where even like newborns and that there are cases of the doctor just snipping or changing or doing things mm-hmm. to the newborn even before telling the parents like that yeah. is um that's taking that god doctor complex to a whole nother level up yeah that is insane so you were um you had mentioned something in your emails that i really want to make sure we get to um which is depression and suicide um with dead naming and mm-hmm. misgendering in hospitals. And I totally yeah. want to discuss dead naming and misgendering first because I would love for definitions for everyone. Yeah. So um, dead naming is a term that just means um, essentially using the name for someone that they no longer use for themselves. Um, usually it's their birth name or given name, the one that they were given when they were born. Um, and uh, so for a lot of cis people, they think that like, it's a cool question to ask trans people what their dead name is. Like, it's an interesting trivia factor, that kind of thing. Um, but it's you. And and so it becomes kind of like a thing that can be weaponized against trans people almost like, and it, it feels like an attack, uh, or can, especially depending, I mean, like it can feel like an attack when it's someone who knows you really well and like, is like not respecting your name. And it's also can feel, uh, like an attack when it's, you know, all of these doctors who are like, hello, yes, dead name. And I'm like, no, but I've already told you. And like, I mean, I, I had, I went to a rheumatologist and I had to get forms signed for, uh, like disability services for my grad school. And, um, she put my dead name on the form and I have, I recently legally changed my name and I think that everyone should be able to have their name recognized as they want to. Um, but I legally changed it. So like she literally has to, but she was, she, what she just like wrote that. She also like, there was another issue with the rheumatologist. <laughs> like, so it was, is there just like some sort of reason that rheumatologists have to be assholes? I haven't yet to meet. And I'm sure sorry. Rheumatologists out there who are nice. I'm sorry. I, I would love to meet you. Please give me your phone number. I need a rheumatologist, but I have not met one who is not a sadist. So it was actually, I was, I was really excited because the first time I met her, I thought it went really well. And then like, I like talked with her again and she seemed like a pretty good doctor. And then one of the things like I like had her filling out the forms and one of the, the check marks, I guess, or the boxes was like, how long can you stand without like any like sitting or without anything else? And she wrote, 
throat that I can stand for 20 to 30 minutes. And I was like, that's just flat out not true. Um, I was like, if I'm standing for like more than five minutes, I'm in a lot of pain and my legs feel a little jelly. We kind of like, I can walk, but standing mm-hmm. itself, just standing is just way more painful. And oh, I um, wish more people would understand she that. was like, <laughs> she refused to change that on the form. Cause she said what I said was unacceptable. Unacceptable. How would it be unacceptable? So did she have a know, reason? Get yeah. Broken up again. <laughs> likes us today so it's just she decided that you could stand for for 20 or 30 minutes yeah and so I I told her that it was a lot closer to five yeah um, if we're talking about like manageability and not being in pain and then not having to just like collapse into a chair um and she told me that that was unacceptable and that she wouldn't change it um it sounds like and, they're making a lot of decisions for you at this rheumatology. They're, they decide what your name is, what your gender is, how yeah, long you yeah. can stand for. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the medical industrial complex is wild. Love it. Uh, <laughs> but sorry, what were we talking about right before that? <laughs> no, it's okay. We're doing great together here. <laughs> um, we were discussing misgendering uh, and um, dead naming oh, yeah. in the medical yeah. fields. And depression. Right. So then, and then misgendering, just a basic definition is just gendering someone as other, like in in a different way as how they identify. Um, And for me as being non-binary, misgendering is pretty much, I mean, it's a daily occurrence for sure, but it's like an all the time occurrence unless the people I'm with know me and also are being good about my pronouns and respecting (laughs) me. Um, And so uh, but, but then there's a whole other, so the issue of being in, um, okay, sorry, let me start again. So, no, we're all good. I, if, if anyone listens to this, they know that we're all sick, which means that our ability to carry on a conversation is a minor miracle. So I think we have some very patient people who listen, they'll forgive yeah. us or else they'll just listen somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so dead naming, um, is also something that's I would consider an act of violence that happens um, in a, to a lot of uh, trans people after they've been murdered or after they've died. Um, and so a lot of news stories will dead name and also misgender people. And then if their families didn't respect them, then the families will also dead name them when they're being interviewed about it or talking about it and that kind of thing. So it's really like a fight to be seen and respected, um, even in death as a trans person. Um, and so in, when you, you're talking about like being in hospitals and being like under care, um, and that's like already a vulnerable place to be in. Um, and then being like a trans kid, especially, um, you don't really have a lot of resources or a lot of agency. And, um, so, unfortunately when nurses and other healthcare staff aren't trained, which they are never trained. I actually did a research project in undergraduate where I looked up a lot of research and statistics and, um, almost like just a very small fraction of like medical care professionals are trained in like lesbian and gay issues, not even like, and then that's like a whole like battle in itself. Um, and that like is something that doesn't even necessarily affect every single doctor and every single appointment. Um, but then like trans things, like, I mean, it's just, it, 
seems like a losing battle to a lot of people. And there's a lot of trans people who do not seek medical care because they anticipate or know that they will be misgendered or denamed or disrespected or otherwise like dismissed. Um, there's a thing called the trans broken arm syndrome, I think is what it's called. And it basically, um, the, what it is just talking about is that, um, like a trans person can go into, um, actually there's a great hashtag called it's hashtag trans health fail on Twitter. Um, I don't know if it's still active cause it was like two years ago or so that I was really looking at it, but like, uh, that was a huge like way to look at a lot of just like anecdotal evidence. But, um, so, uh, what was I saying before that? Damn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so next, next we're going to discuss Alzheimer's. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually runs in my family and my grandma, um, bless her soul. Um, so yeah, um, it's definitely a battle. And so, yeah. So in terms of just like specifics, um, of like people going to seek out care, um, there's a lot of people who get dead named all the time. And there's one story that comes to mind that I know of like a young trans boy a few years ago who was put in the hospital. Um, and, I don't think it was due to mental health issues. I think that he had like, I don't, but like that also does happen. And then of course that exacerbates it a lot. Like if you're put on like a a psych hold or if you're put in a psychiatric hospital or whatever, and then like they're dead naming you and you can't get out and you can't like do anything. And if you fight back, they could penalize you. Like that's not a great place to be in. Um, and so there was a young boy and I'm sure there's been others, but there was a young boy who committed suicide after he was just over and over and over dead named and misgendered. And his mom brought him to the hospital, I think, because he was feeling, I think it was because he was feeling kind of like, I don't know if it was suicidal or he was feeling really like unstable and like, then that of course just escalated it. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who's like starting to think about this? They're younger, they're in high school and maybe their family is not, not there yet or doesn't, isn't aware. How would you, do you have resources that, that you would like to share? Or I mean, we will link them, any resources you have, I'm going to link in the show notes. It's yeah, big yeah, fan I, of uh, resources. <laughs> definitely. Um, I think one of the biggest resources is, um, like a lot of, uh, social media platforms, um, Twitter and Facebook and, um, Tumblr and, and other ones. I mean, obviously you can find a lot of bad stuff there too. Um, where the trolls live. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of comments first rule, the internet don't read the comments. I always break that rule. Um, Uh, and I always regret it. Um, but so, yeah, so there is, there's, um, a lot of like resources, I guess, in terms of just like that. And then also I, um, run a a blog, uh, that I started back when I was coming out as non-binary and I still get anonymous questions on that. And that like, I love being able to answer that kind of stuff. Um, and so I can definitely point towards a few resources. I think the best, um, advice that I would have is like, find your like community and find your like found family or your created family. Um, because for a lot of trans and other people, um, who have like, uh, issues come up with family where they decide to completely revoke them from the family or, you know, what have you, or they're just like, 
not very good at being around them or being respectful or anything like that. Um, I'd say like, you know, try to find the people who will respect you and who will support you. Cause there are people and there's, I mean, like I'm in, I think a group on Facebook, that's like the big, like trans Alliance Facebook. And there's like thousands and thousands, if not, like, I don't even know how, like I would be, I would make up a number. Cause I don't, <laughs> I feel like it's a, like, like, you know, like at least thousands, if not like almost a dozen thousand, like it was a, it's like a lot of people. And so, I mean, there's so many different areas of community. And I think that like, you know, and and also like if you have close friends who are supportive or like can work on being supportive, like a lot of people aren't going to like automatically be like, oh, okay, yes, I understand this and I accept you. And like, even though they should say, I accept you, even if I don't understand this, a lot of people uh, feel wary to accept the things that they don't understand and the things that seem scary to them. Um, and so, um, I mean, my family did not like immediately take to me being non-binary. Like it's taken a period of years for them to like be comfortable with using like the name that I use and like, they still mess up on pronouns. Um, so it's, it's like a journey. And I think that like, you have to have like a good, team in your corner for the journey and it's like yeah sorry if it's not very- no I, I I absolutely love your name I have a huge magician's like freak out and Elliot is my favorite character so <laughs> absolutely adore your name um so I'd love to talk to you a little bit about like daily issues in your life like the whole reason we started this podcast was because I want people to understand that everyone starts at a different point. Everyone's like start is not the same. So the person next to you might have already been up for six hours taking care of someone, or they might've just like run a marathon just to like get out of bed and get into their car. I'm assuming that throughout your day, there's a lot going on behind the eyes and around you that is draining and exhausting. And I'm totally putting words in your mouth, but I'm just trying to trying to like work my way around to a question that I'm trying to form. And my poor brain is just going coffee. You remembered your meds. You did not remember coffee. Um, (laughs) So do you want to discuss a little bit about like daily life, social life? Like how do you decide like when you trust someone enough to really talk about this or do you talk about this with people? Yeah. So, um, I've become, and I think in the last, uh, few months, especially a lot more vocal about, um, fibro specifically. Um, and, uh, like I put it on like my Facebook profile. <laughs> like, Out a little, of the like, spoonie closet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, like it's, I think the one before that was like a, like a support for indivisible, divi- invisible disabilities, one like uh, frame or whatever on my, and this, so, like, I mean, that's like a really small thing, but, um, I think that it's made me more visible because I've actually had like a friends reach out and be like, Hey, I also have fibro or I'm pretty fucking sure I have fibro. And like, can we talk about it? Like, and so I love that. And I think that's, from being non-binary and like, basically, I mean like being non-binary, like I'm, people are always questioning me like pretty much all the time. And also being non-binary, you kind of start to question everything because like if the gender binary is fake, then like what else is like, (laughs) Oh wow. Red pill that. Yeah. (laughs) Down Um, the fucking rabbit hole. I mean, one of my favorite things that I saw was, uh, um, you know, if you think astrology is stupid, like that, 
the month that your child is born will decide all of their fate. Imagine if the shape of their genitals would decide their favorite color, what toys they'll play with, what clothes they get. Hey, even their fucking future salary. Like, it's amazing. And that that's the first thing anyone asks about a baby is like, well, what, what boy or girl, like human, not an Alsatian. It is not, it's not a puppy. It's, it's person. Yeah. 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 And the funny thing is you bring up puppies. The funny thing is people are way more like adamant about correcting the pronouns they use for puppies than they are for trans people. Like if you're like, Oh no, my dog's a girl. You'd be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yes. She. And then like, (laughs) Oh, you know, speaking of like Twitter and Tumblr, there was somebody who had, uh, she was like, I just took my child out in a little dinosaur costume and someone came up and asked me like, is it a boy or a girl? "Uh, Clearly it's a dinosaur. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's my kind of friend I need to have wine with. I need to hang out with. Snark is my world. (laughs) I love snark. So for you, how do you decide like when to talk about these things to friends, like the binary, the health issues? I mean, you have so much that that is in the background. Like that's a lot of white noise in the background for you. So so with friends, I'm pretty much very open about it. And I mean, like I am at a point where I'm like, um, I'm non-binary, like I'm not going to like pretend that I'm not like so it's I mean, like I'm pretty much always visible, um, as something. Um, and so I think that prepared me a little bit to be like more, I guess, um, prepared, (laughs) (laughs) prepared me to be prepared. Um, that helped me to be prepared, um, for, I think like uh, claiming the term of like invisible disability and like trying to like be visible in that, I guess, um, and so, uh, I, um, sorry, distracting. Um, I, <laughs> uh, oh, so, <laughs> okay. So yeah, so daily stuff. Um, I mean, so in terms of like what's going on daily, I mean, like I have just like a lot of various chronic pain that just like happens, like my like legs, um, my knees, like my calves, especially like my hips, like just like the muscles and like joints or whatever, I don't know, uh, is all like kind of like in pain. And like, I drive in my car a lot for my current job and that does not help my hips. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, like a double-edged sword almost because like when I am like in so much like pain slash my legs are feeling like weak too weak to like walk very far or like to do a lot of like standing or that kind of thing. I can make it to my car and make it to work, but then like I'm kind of making it worse by driving in my car. And then I drive, I work with clients one-on-one. So I am like doing a lot of driving and then like it's, so it's, that's not very helpful. And so in terms of work, I don't disclose it at all. Um, my fibro got worse and became like more present and such. I got diagnosed with it after I started this job. So, I didn't really bring it up. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, like just on a daily basis, kind of like, it's a lot of just like uh, fixing myself in between kind of like patching myself up, I guess, like, like ice packs or like heating pads and that kind of stuff to like help my muscles. And um, also I like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I guess, uh, I take a lot of like baths, like hot baths, Epsom salts and stuff like that. Oh, the Epsom soap. Um, Mm. 
And are you, because yes, uh, you're yeah, in Maryland, is Maryland pro uh, medical marijuana or is, so are they anti? Medical, so medical marijuana in Maryland, uh, like just started, but they're, they're still very like, at, like they're fighting it every step of the way, basically. Um, and so also with my current job, um, I get drug tested for it, like to be hired. So like, since I'm working like one-on-one with clients or whatever, I'm not allowed to even access that, which is really shitty. Um, because one of the things that is like my savior is CBD oil. Uh Um, (laughs) and I actually, I, a friend turned me on to the CBD salve that's hot freeze recently. And it has like been saving my life. Um, but yeah, that's like something that I feel, I guess, pretty worried about. Um, the fact that like, that's not something I can like access medically, legally to like help me because like, I know that it would help. And like, so yeah, no, but, I, but, but going, going into becoming a social worker, like, I don't know if that's even necessarily something I would be able to pursue at any point. I was just saying there's a uh, Whoopi Goldberg and her daughter have a line of medical marijuana that, um, is Epsom salt CBD soak, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it just seems so cruel because you could probably take um, any of the major painkillers and be fine, but the the natural way is going to um, affect you tremendously. Now, you also have something else for invisible illness, which I guess counts against you as you're young. I mean, that just like creates this whole other like level of people are not going to believe that you can't stand or walk or... Yes. Yeah. And I'm also like, I mean, like when I'm, you know, going out in my normal day to day, I like, I dress like, you know, how I dress and I like to wear like bright colors or like, I love like short shorts and like, I love like my Doc Martens and like, you know, so it's like a lot of people like already kind of don't want to take me seriously for my parents. Um, and I mean, like, so I, uh, actually, um, got, a cane, well, two canes actually, cause I couldn't decide on which color I wanted and there are different types. Um, but, uh, I got that because like, uh, I like for, especially for a trip that I was going on, but like, I knew that like doing walking, like I just had a hunch that it might help me. And I talked to other people who were, I had, I've talked to so many young people who are like, I don't think that I'm at that point yet. I don't think I deserve it. I don't think that people take me seriously. And, um, being non-binary gives me kind of just, I'm like, I don't fucking give a shit. (laughs) People, people are going to hate me. People are going to think that I don't exist. People are going to think that I'm silly. People think that I don't real, like people think a lot of things about me. And if I thought about all of that, then I would never even be able to get it out of my house. So like, I have like a lavender cane that folds up and I have like a celestial print one. And so like, I like, even that I'm like, that probably makes people also take me less seriously. Cause they're like, well, if you really needed it, would it have to be fun? And I'm like, well, if I need it, then I want it to be fun. Like, Uh yeah. So yeah, the being young definitely. And then also like being diagnosed with depression and anxiety also means people question me question. I mean, people like, and like, being trans, people question you. Being depressed, being any mentally ill, people question you. Question like your both of those things cause people to be like, I don't think you can really make your own decisions because me as the person who has had none of those things is the expert. Um, and <laughs> so it's it's a lot of like not being taken seriously. And then also the fibro is like people. Some people just don't even believe that that exists or believe that that's real. And so I was really worried that I wouldn't even be able to access disability services at my graduate school 
because um, people would not take that seriously. Um, I haven't had my meeting with them yet, but I'm like, I sent in my form. And so I'm hoping that that'll be fine. And it's UC Berkeley. And so <laughs> I feel like if they're not fine with it, then like I can make a big fuss and then they'll do something, you know? So like, yeah. <laughs> Social media is our friend when we need to make a big fuss. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I, uh, I was just saying, because like my co-host Kiros is like, a wall of a man, and he always looks like the guy you'd have move your furniture, but he can't stand for very long, and he's in agony when he's walking, and I'm like, man, that sucks for you, but also, like, when you're talking about someone who's young, like, no one believes you, especially if you, um, and I hope I don't offend you by saying this, if I do, just smack me, um, but if you're, if you appear female, and you are in chronic pain, and you are young, and you were a teenager going through all this and appearing female. Is that correct? And you're a teenager? Um, I would say appearing feminine. Feminine. Okay. Um, but yeah. like the amount of not being taken seriously you get when you're looking feminine and you have any sort of depression or mental health going on is it's mm-hmm. so insane. Like even just like you, if people think that's just an emotional issue, but you can fucking die from it. Like as you like are going and going, I'm in agony, there's something wrong. And they're like, Oh, it's okay. Like I went in for, um, I couldn't breathe and I had a fever. Oh, it's the flu. You're fine. Uh, by the time they figured out what was wrong, it was a lung and a half full of pneumonia. And it was like, same thing happened with my kidneys. I was like, I, it hurts. It hurts. It took months before they were like, you might actually have to go on the transplant list. Sorry. Our bad. We just thought you were, you know, being a girl and just, you know, you had depression issues too. You can't blame us. You seem crazy. You're just being hysterical. Oh, my favorite word. Ah, thank you. <laughs> the Victorian era come back to haunt us. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's amazing how much you have to fight through just to be, um, if you have any feminine issues at all of looking, appearing feminine, just the fight through to be taken as someone who knows jack shit. I mean, like, it's insane how much further yeah. you have to prove yourself 2016 um, to be <laughs> seen as knowledgeable. Yeah, it's really wild. And and I definitely, like, depending on how I dress, it absolutely uh, impacts how people treat me when I'm out. Like if I am wearing shorter shirts, then it's a lot more likely I'm going to get cat cold, like that kind of thing. Like, it's just very like, and I'm like, but I'm neither. So like anyone who thinks I'm attractive, you're all gay. Um, <laughs> but, but Hey, thanks for finding me. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry I know me. I'm cute, whatever. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so so it's, it's definitely another about- question. When you, uh, yeah. when you feel like you're dressing in a way that, that would um, gender you to like what other people would see as more male. Do you feel safer walking around like outside at night? Like, do you, do you feel, have you felt a difference from, from both sides of it? Um, I think like, I definitely feel a difference in how like other people, I guess, like react to me. And I think like, um, it's a lot easier for me to like, uh, default into wearing just like, if I wear like a t-shirt and like pants or like longer shorts, like, uh, it's, that's sometimes I, def- I definitely like gauge like safety and also like attitudes, how people react. And that affects how I dress when I go places. And I'm like, I love wearing like short shorts and crop tops and all of that stuff. So like, I definitely change how I dress because I like am anticipating, um, 
and also because I know from previous experience, but like I'm anticipating that people will react to me um, and treat me differently. Yeah. No, it's just, it's such an interesting, I had this discussion with my husband because he was like, what do you mean it takes you all this time to think through like getting out the door? It's like, well, um, because you know, he, he is a cis male and he just throws on whatever he needs to throw on. And the only question is, is it frayed, broken? Is there a hole out the door? And I'm like, no, no, no. Every person who ever has their, um, has what they look like, gender them and decide like things. There's so much you have to figure out. Like, is this too low? Am I going to be treated like a slut? If like, it's too low, is this going to like say something about what, what sexuality I am? Is this going to like change how, how this meeting is going to go. Like there's so much that goes behind even just like deciding which shirt to wear and which shoes to wear. It's not necessarily about the fashion. It's like, am I safe wearing this in this area? Will this make me be taken less seriously? Will this, will my clothes speak louder than my own voice on what I'm willing to do or not do? Yeah. Like there's, and then you'd have the teenagers dealing with the, um, the dress codes. And I'm like, Oh, no. <laughs> if there's anything that pisses me off, the idea that they don't just take a stick figure and highlight the areas that they want covered, I, I uh, if boys can like like the idea that there's no sexuality behind girls, like that they wouldn't look at like abs and go, hmm, that's distracting, you know, like, and then the boys just would fall apart with a bra strap, like that is such an insult to both genders, like. Yeah, well. It's, it's, it is. And so it's, I mean, it's an insult to everyone, but, um, it's also just like, I'm sorry. I did it again, didn't I? I am so sorry. I totally did that again. (laughs) Ah! So I mean like to all genders. Okay. So let's all have a pause for Elliot for being so patient with me. Elliot is being very, very, very patient with me as I stumble around. I swear I've been like, you've been like in the back of my head with every interview since we've talked and I've been trying so hard and I'll keep trying. You've been very kind. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's like, it's a journey and it's a process. And like, it's like, it's not like you like hear it once and then you're like, oh, okay, got it locked in. Like, I mean, like, I like, 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 I mean, as long as you're working at it and like, also like, um, a big thing, not that you're doing this, but a big thing that, uh, a lot of like cis people do when they mess up on something, uh, with like trans people's pronouns or gender or something like that, then, uh, they'll be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. How could I ever do something so horrible? And like the kind of thing where like, it's, it's almost like, like when it's like they're making it about themselves and it's kind of like when like someone like hears, it's like very similar to when someone like hears that, like I have fibro or when someone who like doesn't know listen, here's all of like the different stuff that like my body does or goes through or whatever. And they're like, Oh my God, how could you ever deal? Like, it's just like the (laughs) dramatics of like, I don't need to make you feel better about my life. Like that thing. That's just that. I know that was like a tangent. (laughs) No, no, I actually love that tangent because I I hear the words inspiring so often. I'm like, wow, that bar is set so fucking low for me. I'm like, Malala is inspiring to me. Like, you know, Emma Gonzalez is my fucking universe right now. Like these inspire me. Um, Then I got out of bed and I'm, I'm trying to make coffee. Let's, let's, let's hopefully give me a little more credit for what I can do in the day. (laughs) Even if I don't make it, let's, let's, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Let's try. Um, so you you helped me out so much. You got to my next question. <laughs> Thank you because I had a whole list that I've. Kiros, I ignored my own list. Kiros, I 